Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Fighting returns. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Dom Savino, in for Jennifer Koshenka on this Friday, December 1st. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. The Israeli military has resumed attacking Hamas in Gaza after the end of a seven-day truce in which hostages and prisoners were exchanged. Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee voted to subpoena a pair of influential conservatives with ties to Supreme Court justices. In a matchup that could have been, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and California Governor Gavin Newsom held their own debate. And what to do when that holiday package gets stolen from your porch I mean, we're talking about $8 billion worth of packages that are stolen from people's doorsteps. And, you know, I got to be honest, this is a problem. You talk to anybody and it's happened to them. It certainly happened to me. I find just in, in, in just talking to everyday people, yep, it happened to me. Charles Passy at MarketWatch on getting a refund when deliveries are swiped. The seven-day pause in fighting is over. Israel resumed combat operations against Hamas earlier today after it accused the terrorist group of firing rockets at Israel and reneging on a deal to free all women held as hostages, violating their temporary truce agreement. The Israeli military confirmed its jets were striking Hamas targets in Gaza. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken during his latest visit to Israel. Hamas cannot remain. Uh, responsible for governance in Gaza, and it cannot retain the capacity to repeat those attacks. Uh, How Israel does it, um, those are decisions for Israel to make. Images on social media showed large plumes of dark smoke rising over the densely built-up Jabalia camp in Gaza. The one-week pause in fighting, which ended yesterday, has allowed for the exchange of dozens of hostages held in Gaza for hundreds of Palestinian prisoners and facilitated the entry of humanitarian aid. Qatar and Egypt had led truce talks following the exchange yesterday of the latest batch of eight hostages and 30 Palestinian prisoners. Hard feelings persist on Capitol Hill. The Senate Judiciary Committee has issued subpoenas for two influential conservatives who have helped provide luxury travel for two Supreme Court justices. The panel, led by Democrats, pressed ahead with their ethics investigation despite the court adopting a code of ethics two weeks ago. Chairman Dick Durbin. My Republican colleagues claim our efforts are motivated by my disagreement with court's recent decisions. But I first asked Chief Justice Roberts in writing to address the court's lack of enforceable code of conduct 11 years ago. The committee wants to hear from Harlan Crow and Leonard Leo. GOP senators walked out of the committee meeting in protest, ranking Republican Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. All of us on our side feel like really uncomfortable because they're a separate branch of the government, and they did pass some rules that move in the right direction. But you want to pack the court. When you say you don't want to destroy the Roberts court, I don't believe you. The 6-3 conservative majority has handed major defeats to liberals in recent years on matters including abortion and gun rights. Two men largely seen as Plan B in next year's presidential race have had their own debate. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom squared off on Fox News last night. They differed, as you might imagine, on crime, immigration, the economy, taxes, education, and the Biden presidency. Mr. Newsom on the Florida abortion law. So extreme is your ban that criminalizes women and criminalizes doctors that even Donald Trump 
said it was too extreme. Mr. DeSantis on crime. They have chosen in California to put the interests of the criminals over public safety. Uh, they treat, uh, they're easier on sex offenders. They're easier on all these crimes that are leading to a collapse in the quality of life. Mr. DeSantis repeatedly highlighted California's recent population decline, arguing that it showed the unappealing results of Mr. Newsom's policies. Newsom, for his part, called DeSantis a divisive figure focused on weaponizing grievance and false separateness. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, your personal HelloFresh holiday helper. Seriously, make your holiday festivities stand out with HelloFresh with over 45 scrumptious recipes that will impress at your party. This season, indulge in the joy of cooking made simple. HelloFresh delivers right to your door so it's convenient and saves time. And with the very specific step-by-step instructions from HelloFresh, it's easy for someone with zero kitchen skills like me to follow along. Make it the tastiest holiday season yet with HelloFresh. HelloFresh lets me ditch the store run. No stressing about running back and forth or worrying about forgetting something. Their farm-fresh and pre-portioned ingredients make cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free and use code Gordon Free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free with the code Gordon Free. Unleash the tasty seasonal flavors from America's number one meal kit. Order HelloFresh today at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday. Senate Democrats are engaged in an intra-party debate on whether to attach strings to military aid for Israel. The hope? Limiting further civilian casualties in Gaza with a vote on a foreign aid package that also includes assistance for Ukraine and Taiwan coming to the floor as soon as next week. Here's Paul Kiernan, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Paul, what are you hearing? Senate Democrats, I mean, I think Democrats kind of broadly are feeling mounting pressure from their progressive uh, base, their, their, their sort of more liberal supporters to respond to the situation in the Middle East. You know, um, we're seeing a lot of protests on college campuses um, and, and, and just kind of mounting discomfort uh, with the death toll in Gaza. Um, and so Democrats in the, who control the Senate are, are, are kind of some of them are, are, are showing signs of discomfort with that or trying to respond. And so there's this sort of emerging debate about uh, the possibility of attaching some conditions on aid to Israel, which, um, you know, observers say is pretty striking. The U.S. Uh, has long treated Israel as one of its closest allies and partners in the Middle East. Um, but, you know, this conversation is starting to happen and lawmakers say it could be a difficult one. Yeah. All right. So what kind of conditions have been uh, proposed or suggested here among, say, competing Democrats in the Senate? At this point, um, I, I think the debate is more about, you know, whether to con- to impose some conditions or not to impose any conditions. OK. Um, what I was told uh, on, on, on the Hill this week is that um, specifics, concrete details really haven't been ironed out. Um, I've heard a few ideas from people outside of Congress on you know, what conditions might look like that I'd be happy to talk about. But um, at this stage, I think they're, the, the, the lawmakers are just trying to decide you know, whether this talking about this is a good idea. And frankly, you know, merely talking about it could have an effect. Mm. 
We're speaking with Paul Kiernan, Washington correspondent at the Wall Street Journal. His story is called No Strings Attached, Conditions on Israel Aid Split Democrats. All right, so what are you hearing then, uh, I, I guess, on that front with regards to what, what could happen? I, I spoke with an expert at the Brookings Institution, Michael O'Hanlon, who said, you know, the, the, the um, you know, like the U.S., does not and probably could not get a veto over Israeli military decisions. But, you know, ideas that that he floated um, might include, you know, giving American advisors more of a seat at the table, you know, more access to Israeli military decision makings and more input. So it could be stepping up the advisory process and, and just counsel. But, you know, it could also sort of extend to the types of weapons that the U.S. supplies to Israel, um, you know, maybe review the size of the warheads that we're sending over there, hmm. um, you know, whatever size bomb is the largest that we're currently giving, maybe give fewer of those. Uh, I, he, he wasn't sure, and, and, and I'm not sure, you know, if, if the U.S. supplies Israel with unguided artillery, um, also known as dumb artillery. Yeah. You know, maybe only give Israel precision precision artillery in the future. Um, it, it, early in the war, the Israeli military's own spokesman said that um, you know their capacity for precision strikes was was limited because the forces were stretched thin as they were preparing to invade Gaza. And so, you know, you've seen a lot of flattening of buildings. But you know, the 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 range of um, the range of use, you know, could could be also you know people might think about imposing a two-state outcome as part of as part of any additional aid wow um you know again th these aren't ideas that that i've heard from lawmakers themselves but uh you know th these are these are ideas that sort of outside people have floated yeah. um it, but at this stage i mean frankly a lot of democrats uh told me that they were not comfortable imposing any conditions on on aid to israel and so you know it's a big question of whether of whether anything would would be attached Thanks, Paul. Paul Kiernan, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. 20 minutes after the hour on this morning, here's Dom Savino. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel and Hamas are trading blame as the fighting resumes following a week-long truce. Israeli warplanes struck targets across the Gaza Strip hours after Hamas militants shot and killed four civilians at a bus stop in Jerusalem. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. Just look at what happened today in Jerusalem. I mean, if anybody's guessing and wondering whether Hamas still has murderous intentions against the Israeli people, just look at what happened in Jerusalem today. There are renewed concerns about the roughly 140 hostages who remain in Gaza. More than 100 were freed during the ceasefire. Number two. For months, confirmations of 300 top military officials have stalled in the Senate, but the blockade is set to end as soon as next week. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville signaled he'll stop his blanket hold on promotions, done in protest of a Pentagon abortion policy. It's the only, only thing that you have to get their attention when you have no power. And so we've got their attention, and uh, we've had them stirred up pretty good. But at the end of the day, I understand the need for, for promotions. Tuberville says he'll focus his blockade on a smaller group of nominees he considers, quote, woke. Number three. The House will vote today on whether to oust embattled New York Congressman George Santos. A House ethics report found what it called overwhelming evidence the first-term Republican lawmaker broke federal rules by using campaign funds for personal reasons. Expulsion requires support from two-thirds of the House. 
Earlier this year, Montana became the first state to ban TikTok, but that ruling has now been temporarily halted after a federal judge ruled yesterday the bill infringes on users' constitutional rights. The TikTok ban was set to go in effect next month. The lead changed hands five times in a thrilling Thursday night football matchup, but in the end, the Dallas Cowboys scored last, beating the Seattle Seahawks 41-35. The Cowboys closed the game with 14 unanswered points, including a go-ahead touchdown from Dak Prescott to Jake Ferguson. Two wide to the right, single receiver near side. Prescott with time, steps up, throwing end zone, reaching out, stabbing it for the touchdown, Ferguson. My goodness. Kevin Ray with a call heard right here on Compass Media Networks. The Cowboys have now won 14 straight home games. Okay, so our company, right, Compass Media, is very, very tied to the Dallas Cowboys. We do play-by-play. Right. I am a part-time New York Giants employee. So how am I supposed to square this information? Like, a quiet golf clap? Like, okay, Cowboys? As a lifelong Giants fan, Uh I might not even clap. Oh, respectfully. I see where you're coming from, Dom. <laughs> if you're expecting any packages this holiday season, there's a chance at least one of them may end up in the hands of thieves. Still, if you do end up being a victim of porch piracy, don't despair. Steps to take from Charles Passy at MarketWatch. Charles, help us out. You know, the first thing is sort of an obvious one, but maybe not for some people, which is, you know, you should file a police report. And you should do that really for two reasons. One is, look, the more that these things get reported, Police can, in theory, use this to eventually track down the bad guys. But, you know, but the other thing is that in many instances, if you're going to make a claim of some kind so that you're not on the hook for these purchases, um, you want to be able, you you may need to prove that it was indeed stolen. And the best way to prove that is to say, look, I filed a police report. So that's something you should always keep in your back pocket as, you know, a kind of critical first step. But then there are several steps beyond that. Okay, uh, that does get back to your point too about the uh, like a doorbell camera that could be presented too as say, hey, this is not me taking the package from oh, my porch, right? It's absolutely, more absolutely. Evidence, yeah. You know, I mean that that is that is another thing, and you should definitely offer that up to the police. I, I if we haven't made that the clear, the video you have of somebody stealing your package mm-hmm. is invaluable to the police. Um, but it is yes another way to document the proof. But you know, yes, file the police report by all means. Does the merchant play a role here? Absolutely. The merchant is, you know, presuming you filed the police report, the merchant is typically the first step here. So, you know, whether you're talking about companies like Amazon or Walmart or whether you're buying from a platform like Etsy, which has many independent sellers on it, generally speaking, um, the merchant is going to try to do right by you. Now, there are plenty of exceptions to this rule. And, you know, dare I say it, People who may not be honest about this, meaning they're reporting thefts that weren't really thefts, will really probably get tripped up in this eventually. But to be clear, legitimate theft, generally the merchant is going to try to do right by you, which means they're going to research this. They're probably going to refund your money. Um, They may require a police report, Mm -hmm. but, you know, generally the first place to go to is the merchant. Do not go first to the shipper. I mean, you can if you want. I mean, and by the shipper, I mean, or the carrier, I mean FedEx, UPS, or the Postal Service, because essentially they're dealing with whoever shipped the package, you know, and they're basically going to try to work it out with the merchant who shipped the package. Yes, okay. you may have paid shipping for the package, but you weren't the one who signed off on 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 the actual shipping. So So if you contact, you know, basically like UPS told us, if you contact us, yeah, we'll contact the merchant on your behalf. But ultimately, you know, the merchant is the one you're going to be dealing with. And in many cases, they will 
uh, refund your money, reship the package. They'll try to work with you is what we were generally told. We're speaking with Charles Passy, reporter at MarketWatch. His piece is called Package Theft. How to get a refund if your delivery from Amazon, Walmart, or other sellers gets stolen. What about contacting your credit card company? Great second step. So basically, you know, if you're if you're hitting a wall with the with the merchant, go to the credit card company. Most credit card companies have some form of purchase protection that guards you in the case of theft. All right. Thanks, Charles. Charles Passy, reporter at MarketWatch. Behind the headlines. Above the noise, you're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday, December 1. Gordon Deal with Dom Savino in for Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. A stalled ceasefire in Gaza as fighting resumes. The New York Times says Israel obtained Hamas's battle plan for the terror attack more than a year ago, but dismissed it as too hard to carry out. Senate Democrats subpoena two influential conservatives over their ties to Supreme Court justices. The new burger from McDonald's has more than 50 changes, including a different cooking style and a new bun. Cowboys over the Seahawks in Thursday night football and the abandoned newborn who now has a forever home. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Discover. Discover wants everyone to feel special with live 24-7 customer service. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Google says it has a zero tolerance policy for child abuse content, but the scanning process can sometimes go awry, labeling innocent individuals as abusers. It's a story by Kashmir Hill, technology reporter at the New York Times. Kashmir, what have you found? Yeah, so Google and really all the technology companies are always kind of looking for exploitative or abusive images of children. And usually they're looking for known, known images, they'll flag them, they report them to this nonprofit that then will tell, tell police about them. And Google a few years ago developed an algorithm that can actually that can actually identify photos, these abusive kind of photos of children that have never been seen before. It's an AI that was trained, you know, learned from known images. And so if it sees basically a naked child, you know, in a video or a photo, it will flag it and report it. And they'll often shut down that person's account because they assume that they're a child abuser. And so what my story about is about is about somebody who is innocent, who kind of got, got caught up in that. Yeah. All right. So explain that. You found this uh, family in Australia, like the mom, like her, her Google accounts have been almost like completely vanished because of this. What happened? Yeah, so her name's Jennifer Watkins, and one day she gets an email from YouTube that says her channel's getting shut down, and she she didn't really take note of it because she doesn't use YouTube, but she has a Samsung tablet that her kids use, and it's signed into her Google account, and they use YouTube. And so she ignored this first email, then she gets another email that says her whole YouTube account is getting shut down, and then all of a sudden, her Gmail stops working oh and her access to Google Drive stops working and she just loses access to all things Google. And that's when she starts paying attention because like many of us, she kind of has her life built around her email address and just everything connected to it stops working. And so that's when she kind of confronts her son, said, what did you do on mm. YouTube? 
finds out that they thought it would be funny, they're seven years old, um, to make a video of one of them dancing naked. And that got flagged, you know, as it should by this, this, this AI as something that shouldn't be on the internet um, because it violates the laws in most countries to, to have any kind of nudity yeah. of children that you're putting on the internet. Um, but the consequences for her were pretty devastating. And she kept trying to appeal to Google saying, hey, this is my son's fooling around. You know, I'm not a child pornographer. Um, but she was really having no success getting her account back until she reached out to me. Yeah, geez. We're speaking with Kashmir Hill, technology reporter at the New York Times. Her story is called How Your Child's Online Mistake Can Ruin Your Digital Life. So she seemed to, at least based what, on what I read in your story, get the runaround from Google or just kind of standard answers like, nope, it's a violation. So you get involved, and then like a day later, her, her stuff is restored. Like, But it shouldn't be that difficult. Right. I, I think that's kind of the point here. Yeah. And this is not the first time I've covered a story like this. You know, this has happened to other parents, you know, um, you know, uh, parents who have taken medical photos of their kids for their doctors and sent them over uh, email. Yeah. Um, other kids, you know, doing this exact same thing, doing a stupid video of themselves naked because they don't they don't realize, you know, to them, their body isn't something that's illegal, that's illicit. They just think it's a funny prank, like mooning the camera. Um, and so this has happened before. And Google has said that it, ha it tries to, uh, it realizes how devastating it is to lose your Google account and that they do have this appeals process in place. Um, but I think it's really challenging for a company like Google. They're flagging millions of these kinds of images every year. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, there's probably a lot of people appealing. I just don't know how effective their, their system is, but they say they're working on it. Boy, all right. So in the meantime, uh, like this video, which obviously you know, shut down the, this YouTube account and all that, but I mean, it's out there, right? I assume well, it's, it's in the hands of weirdos probably, or, right? I mean, that, that's kind of the danger here too. Well, Google said they actually flagged the video within seconds of it being oh. uploaded oh, okay. and that they immediately took it down and then they report it to this nonprofit that tracks these kinds of videos. So that video is now in this library of known images. And if anyone else ever posts it or share it, it will get it will get flagged again and that person's okay. account will get. Yeah, I mean, it is quite a powerful system. And and that's what makes these 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 stories tricky. I think a lot of us do want tech companies doing this, you know, trying to stop the spread of abusive images of children. But we also don't want to get caught up in it, you know, because we took a photo of our, our kid in the bathtub to share, yeah. you know, with, with our with our parents. Well, I got those photos. Thanks, Kashmir. Kashmir Hill, technology reporter at The New York Times. Fun fact, by the way, Kashmir's name, as you may have guessed, her parents were Led Zepp fans. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Friday. Uh, Mike, as I as I did with uh, September 32nd, uh, uh, yes. trying to hang on to fall as much as possible. So right. I'm going to disguise December 1 today as <laughs> November 31st. I'm okay with that okay. because I haven't even gotten started on any like holiday shopping oh, or any of that kind of stuff. Go. I could use a little extra time, okay. so I, I, I fully support that. Okay, play along. It's November 31st <laughs> in some ways. Time now for the mic drop. Here's this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, you know, we love a good you had one job story, and this foul up is about as serious as it gets. A crematorium worker in Brazil got a shocking surprise after finding a woman still alive inside of a body bag after 
she was pronounced dead. According to Brazilian news outlets, the whole ordeal began on Saturday, just hours after hospital staff pronounced the 90-year-old woman dead. She was then placed into a body bag and sent to the morgue for preservation. Once the crematorium discovered the woman was still alive, she was sent back to the hospital and readmitted in what reports say was very poor condition. The woman's family said they were notified that she had passed, but say that the body was quickly sent off to the morgue without even allowing her loved ones time to see her and say goodbye. Thankfully, the crematorium worker noticed when the body arrived that it felt warmer than it should for someone who was deceased. The parent, the patient's family is planning to sue the hospital for the incident. Oh, my goodness. Right. I mean, you had literally one job. You had one job. I mean, that, that's yeah. it. Take a pulse. Take what, the pulse. What exactly are we are we paying you for? The body bag felt warmer than it should for someone who was deceased. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Yes. And can I ask you this? Like, potentially, mm-hmm. what do you say? To the family? When you unzip the bag. Oh, oh, yes. To the 90-year-old woman who's actually alive. <laughs> right. Hey, how's it going? Looking back at you. Right. I, it's like, hey, how did hey, I get here? What are you doing in the bag? <laughs> right. Oh, man, what a disaster. Yeah, that's uh, the, the ultimate awkward conversation, yeah. I suppose. Well, they'll sue. They'll win. or Yeah, they'll, the f- they'll get something. The yeah. funeral home will settle. Right, right. Ideally. Yes, and, and, and hopefully they'll be a little <laughs> more careful next Goodness. time. Goodness. And it's December 1st, which means, or as you said, on November 31st, which means we're only a little more than three weeks away from what some consider to be the big holiday celebration, Festivus. The Festivus celebration is fictional, of course, coming to us courtesy of a December 1997 episode of Seinfeld in which George Costanza's father regales the gang with the traditions of his anti-consumerism holiday, which takes place on December 23rd. In anticipation, a Florida newspaper is inviting readers to submit their grievances for the year, the airing of which is an integral part of the holiday. The Tampa Bay Times offered up some examples of gripes from previous years. A man from Winnipeg wrote, Why do you include the stumps in my bagged romaine lettuce? I know I need the roughage, but I'm not eating romaine stumps. There was also the St. Petersburg, Florida woman whose grievance was that her 12-year-old son calls her bro. Mm. She goes on to say, Last I checked, I was still mom. Yeah, we do that in my house. (laughs) What calls mom yeah. bro? I call Kelly bro. Oh, you call her bro? That's more like bro, B R U H. Yeah, bruh. yeah. That's that's how the kids do it. If yeah. you're gonna do it the way the kids do it, yeah. it's bro. Well, I'm a cool kid, <laughs> so that's that's what I do. We we, we know that. That's pretty funny. What, what's your grievance? What's like your number one grievance for the year? I, I I hadn't thought about that, but but the leaving the stump on the romaine lettuce that's definitely a thing. Why I've got, I have to chop it off every time? I mean, it's like a huge package, right? When you buy like the three in yeah. the big package and yeah. you got the stumps in there, I, I agree. That's that's something. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe not the biggest thing that's irking me all year, but okay. uh, it's certainly uh, it's certainly worth mentioning, I guess. Hashtag no romaine stumps. <laughs> Let's go with that. Blocking out the noise and bringing you the facts. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. With so many people funneling through airports this holiday season, lines are expected to get longer and slower. One way to speed them up is to know what to pack before you head out. USA Today put together tips. Things you should carry on. Number one, medication. Duh. During flight disruptions, you could wind up separated from your checked bags. Number two, batteries. Most devices that use lithium-ion ones, like cell phones, have to be brought into the cabin. Number three, baby supplies, including formula in containers larger than 3.4 ounces. Things you should check. Number one, weapons of any kind. Number two, battery-powered mobility devices. Gray areas here. Number one, food. Although most kinds of food are permitted on board, certain spreadables and creamy cheeses 
may need to be checked. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Dom Savino. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Senate Democrats are moving forward with their investigation of undisclosed benefits given to some conservative Supreme Court justices. The Democrat-led Judiciary Committee voted yesterday to authorize subpoenas to two influential conservatives, donor Harlan Crow and legal activist Leonard Leo. Lindsey Graham is the top Republican on the panel. These subpoenas are never going to see the light of the day. I don't know who's driving the train on your side, but you're driving the committee off into a ditch. So this is a joke. The subpoenas are in spite of the Supreme Court's new code of conduct announced this month. Number two. In a battle of budding rivals, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and California Governor Gavin Newsom faced off in a debate on Fox News last night. They covered topics like the COVID response, the border and job creation. Polling shows DeSantis trails former President Donald Trump for the Republican presidential bid. Newsom isn't even running for the Democrats' nomination. Number three. A New York appeals court has reinstated a limited gag order banning Donald Trump from talking about court personnel. It comes after Trump repeatedly bashed a law clerk involved in the civil fraud trial. Trump attorney Chris Keiss. Now you have the front-running presidential candidate who can't even comment about why he thinks he's not getting a fair trial. In a statement, the judge overseeing the trial said he would enforce the restriction, quote, rigorously and vigorously. The FAA has proposed a new rule to extend the capacity of cockpit voice recorders. Regulators want new planes to be equipped with black boxes that can capture up to 25 hours of info. The rule would help prevent data from being overwritten after an incident in which the plane keeps flying for more than two hours. They got into the Christmas spirit in D.C. last night. President Biden and the First Lady participated in the annual tradition of lighting the national Christmas tree at the White House. Let's remember how blessed we are as Americans for the gift that is our nation. So Merry Christmas, America. May God bless you all and may God protect our troops. Merry, Merry Christmas. The tree is a 40-foot Norway spruce from the Monongahela National Forest in West Virginia. Last night's lighting went off without a hitch, though it was delayed after heavy winds toppled the tree Tuesday. Let's hope that thing stays upright this time. Very good. Oh, boy, I hope so. A little embarrassing. (laughs) Thank you, Dom. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle-Made bed sheets. Miracle-Made uses silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle-Made is self-cleaning, self-cooling, luxurious, eco-friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. A baby left alone in the woods of central Florida just one hour after she was born now has a forever family thanks to deputies and residents who brought the child to safety last January. The Polk County Sheriff's Office says the baby girl was officially adopted in Winter Haven. Public Information Officer Brian Bruschi told Fox News that at the time the girl was wrapped in a blanket still attached to the placenta. 
The temperature outside was in the lower 50s, and members of the Polk County Fire Rescue checked the girl out and determined that based on her temperature, she'd been born about an hour before she was found. A nearby resident heard the baby girl's cries and called 911. The family is declining interviews at this time, but the sheriff's office was allowed to share photos. Efforts to find the mother were deemed unsuccessful as investigators questioned neighbors for information, while the sheriff's office deployed a canine unit, a bloodhound, a drone, and an aviation unit in the search for answers. That'll do it for this hour. For Dom Savino and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.